Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to get back to the Uncanny X-Men, number 276, the May 1991 issue on sale March 5th of 1991 with cover price of a dollar, 32 total page count, 23 actual content pages. This one's titled Double Death. Yeah, man, we're we're back to basics. We got we got Wolverine killing the professor on the cover. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest with you. If I if I wasn't keeping up with the comics and didn't know what was going on and saw this cover, I wouldn't realize that was the professor. You might also ask yourself, um, why is the professor wearing uh, Spider Man's shirt? Uh, that would be Wolverine. Well, I mean, sorry. Yeah, why why is Wolverine wearing Spider Man's shirt? There's a couple of weird things about Wolverine. Why does he have a wrestling belt on? Mm-hmm. And what is that? thing coming like as his he's got he's got his he's got his arms and he's got little things around his arms little gauntlets yep yeah and one of the gauntlets it looks like jim lee was drawing his costume and then he changed his mind halfway through because there's a little like triangle of his gauntlet I'm not, I'm not even sure what that is. I don't know how to describe it. There's a triangle on his arm for some reason. I see that now. I don't know, Adam. It could be very like happening. elaborate or ornate gauntlets where there's like a little piece of metal that we don't see that goes up to that little triangle bit. Uh, but yeah, you don't see it on his arm. And, and the other arm is, is shrouded in uh, shadows. So it, it's either like a coloring mistake or Jim Lee started drawing Wolverine's gloves but gave up. Or maybe Jim Lee did draw gloves. The inker came back around and was like, that's hair. And then the colors <laughs> came around and said, all right, that's part of the gauntlet. And here we are. Yeah. And so it's strange. It's strange. This is the outfit that Wolverine wears. I don't know if he wears the gauntlets, but he wears them in this. He wears this red shirt in this issue, which is strange being that he teleported to the Shi'ar homeworld with in his new X-Men costume. But I guess I guess when he ran off to go find a bar to get into a fight in, he made sure that he had a set of Earthling clothes to get into. They probably have replicators, right? Sure. I feel like he's wearing his, his normal like tan pants and boots, but then he said, I want a Shi'ar shirt for, for bar night. So the that's where the wrestling belt comes in? Yeah, that's part of the, the Shi'ar shirt. It's very odd. And on the cover, it proclaims execution. And the other thing that's of note is that for some reason, the X-Men logo is oversized. This is a nice cover. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll complaints aside, mm-hmm. I, I would buy this as a t-shirt. This sure, is pretty course, cool. Yeah. This uh, is uh, probably one of the classics. But but why is the X-Men logo oversized? Because somebody wanted to do X-Men oversized logo month. How many is this the first time in the Jim Lee run that it's been oversized or has there been more than one? Oh, I don't know. I feel uh, like it waxes and wanes. I'm just kind of looking back from it here fills to the two, space nicely to 271 and this is the only oversized in 271. Do you think that's really what it's all about? Is just filling some empty space? Yeah, I like okay. it. It looks it looks good. You don't think it's it, like a somebody at the printing press made a mistake when they put that that on there? That is certainly possible. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, right? Right. Or it's strange that the X covers up somebody's face in the faces box. Right. Who, who is that? Let's see. Is that no? It's not. It's Banshee, maybe. I think it's well. Let's see, Wolverine, but not Wolverine. No, I, I just don't think that they put anybody there. Well, maybe that's why they made it bigger. We, we have to. We have to make the X Men logo big enough to fill up the sixth head in the head box. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they could have put Forge in there. They could have uh, put the Professor in there. Yeah, Forge, Banshee, Banshee could have been in there. A lot of options. They just said, nah, stick the X there. Of course, there. Who I kept confusing for Forge in this issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this continues the um, Shi'ar adventure. So where we left off, Jubilee and Gamut were overhearing evil Professor X torture Deathbird. 
And that's where we pick up. Right. And this adventure of the uncanny X-Men is chronicled by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Scott Williams is the inker. Patrick Brasseau is the letterer. Joe Rosas is the colorist. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. X-Men in space. Pretty much. So I'm going to guess that uh, this is a Jim Lee plot with a Chris Claremont script. The last one was, so this problem probably is too. Unless he gave up halfway through. It was like, uh, plotting is hard. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> You take over, Chris. Can you do this for me? I doubt it. I doubt yeah. that is the case. That's probably not true. So Jubilee is, she's basically giving us a recap of like, look, the old professor teaches, is, he's a bad guy. Look at him. And uh, Gambit's like. Mondo major bad guy. Uh, and uh, Gambit's like, quiet, Sherry. They'll hear us. Yes. Ke- uh, figure it's safest. Keep my mind and mouth tight shut. Mm-hmm. We learned that Gambit's got a a, a, a power that, that we didn't know about before. And we'll talk about that as we get there, but it's, it's interesting that it's foreshadowed here. Jubilee apologizes for talking and then continues to talk, <laughs> oh, presumably right. much quieter. Sorry. Man, oh man, I really don't like this. <laughs> Gambit, hey man, what are they going to do with her? What Watch are they going to do with her? <laughs> Watching she share a... Eh? And so Gladiator has Deathbird um, around the neck. Professor's like, hey, uh, do the thing, and Gladiator rips off Deathbird's wings. The professor is heating up a pole or a uh, – I thought it was a cane at first. Mm. And it has like a pointy end. He's heating it up in the fire. So I thought he was going to use that. I thought it was like a foreshadowing of some torture coming up, but, but no. I wonder uh, – it's weird – I didn't notice that, but now that you've called it out, you could look at it as one of two things. The professor has a cane, which doesn't make any sense because it has an arrow on the edge of it. It is in the fire. (laughs) Professor, your cane's on fire. Right. It's definitely, well, it's it's either in front of the fire, which you don't know why it's there, or it's in the fire. More likely it's in the fire. Um, I feel like branding uh, an enemy with like a hot poker is probably not kosher by the uh, comics code. So I wonder if that was the plan, and then somebody reminded Jim Lee of like, I don't think you should do that. But ripping wings off, no problem. Have at it. And Inker put this uh, pole into the professor's hand, maybe. Because it's weirdly, I don't know, in the version that I'm looking at, the lines are not complete on it. Well, the lines aren't complete and it doesn't exactly look straight. And maybe it's just because of the arrows kind of curved downward. Um, so it looks like an afterthought or it looks like the inker and or colorist didn't know what to do with it. Because it's transparent in that mm. all of the color behind it, you can see through it. So the colorist didn't see it. Uh, which I find weird. Do you think the colorist colored the panel and then Scott Williams came back and was like, oh, let's throw some... <laughs> more lines in there that's really weird maybe but, but he's got this thing that he doesn't ever actually use and uh yeah gladiator rips off Deathbird's wings i'm gonna be honest this doesn't really seem to have any repercussions other than like she's like ow that hurts she doesn't even scream because because she if she scream would to be showing the professor that she is weak and she she is not weak so yeah. she does not scream she grits her teeth and says she'll never uh beg for mercy uh, the wings get ripped off, and he's like, all right, gladiator. Incredibly, says the professor, there is no place for you in the new order. That honor goes to your sister, my beloved Lalandra. There's a series of cracking noises. We see gladiator with a handful of wings. And then gladiator holds Deathbird up by her neck, and it uh, looks like she's being strangled, and that's when Gambit has seen enough, and he crashes in. With a literal crash sound effect. <laughs> Jubilee chastises him. What are you doing? And he's like, apologies, Jubilee. I guess when you wear the uniform of a hero, hey, I guess sometimes you got to act the part. Gibbon tucks a lot in weird ways. He says guess twice in a row. It yeah. doesn't feel like I'm not sure if Chris Clements is trying to get like a certain kind of dialect or if. 
I don't know. This doesn't feel Chris Claremonti to repeat, I guess. I agree. Uh, also, Jubilee does a lot of like, man, what are we going to do? Which also seems a little out of character. I don't think I've ever heard her be uh, say man. And certainly not as much as she says it in this issue. So I think he's playing around trying to find voices for these characters would be my guess. This is another hugely dialogue heavy issue, which is I think whenever Chris Claremont is left to do just the dialogue, he like overcompensates. Whereas usually he has the plot to think about, so he doesn't overcompensate. Maybe. But when somebody else is plotting, he's like, oh, this isn't clear at all. Right. I need to add my amazing words everywhere. Right. We're definitely getting a narration from our characters of what's happening uh, pretty much at every point of the issue. Yeah. So Just in case. Gambit springs into action. He whips off some cards towards Gladiator, uh, knocks Gladiator off of his feet. That's when the professor says, I'll simply use my telepathy to seize these interlopers' minds as I did yours. Letting us know, in case we didn't know, that Gladiator is taken over by the professor. By the abyss, Gambit's thoughts, like Quicksilver, as hard to grab hold of as the man himself. As I think that was the thing you were talking about. Yes. Because the professor later... So so Deathbird slashes the professor in the back uh, as he's caught off guard. Uh, but he's able to recover, and then she, uh, he takes, uh, he uses his tel- telepathy against Jubilee and kind of, like, drops her. But Gambit still remains elusive. Also, she does this flying kick that uh, Jim Lee and uh, Rob Liefeld like to draw a lot. <laughs> the Jubilee flying kick. I yeah. like it because she's little. It works because she's little. Also, I don't know when Jim Lee... Or uh, Jim Lee Jubilee uh, learned to do this, but I like that she knows how to do like basic, I don't know, let's say karate steps. I feel like either in old issues of X-Men or in future issues of X-Men, we learned that she had some acrobatics training and that just translated over to the whole superhero because she was in the her introduction issue i think she was like parkouring basically through the mall to get away the security guards thus letting us know that she's got this sort of natural uh athleticism about her i would imagine that in the downtime between issues wolverine has also been training her a little bit oh absolutely so i don't mind this at all i like seeing jubilee in action in action, yep. kind of jumping around, doing fun little. I don't. She, she doesn't look like she's professional at all, which I guess is what I like about it. It looks like it's very haphazard. Yeah, which is good. She calls the professor Barf Breath. Heck yeah! Out of my way! Out of my face! Barf Breath. Uh, maybe this is what she deserves. Referring to Deathbird, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The lady's supposed to be a villain, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if the prof, the prof's act, the one acting like it. Maybe this is what she deserves. So the professor she is dropped, as you said. Jubilee and then Deathbird and Gambit both uh, take on uh, Gladiator. And kind of a neat panel where Deathbird goes high and Gambit goes low and topple him to the ground. Gambit grabs uh, Gladiator's cape and wraps it around the professor's face. Pardon, Miss Hugh, but I need the cape. Hope you don't mind. And uh, Jubilee's like, let's get out of here. My head hurts. No fair stealing my kind of lions, Gambit. (laughs) And uh, they get themselves freed to a corner, but Gladiator now has Deathbird held above his head. Um... They blow, yeah, she, the Gladiator throws Deathbird into the wall, which explodes yeah. in comic book style. And behind that wall is Lila Cheney slash Shanae. Jubilee says, oh, now isn't this cute? Reinfor- oh, because there's a bunch of uh, dudes behind Gladiator. So they're now they're all rushing in. So she's worried that now it's two against seven instead of like two against one. But you're right. Lila Cheney shows up and... Uh, a lot of work balloons. Gambit, she's a prisoner. Jeez, we were all wondering what happened to you. Yep, and so she asks for her man manacles to be blasted off so that she can regain the use of her teleportation power, uh, which Gambit does, and then Lila Cheney uh, teleports Deathbird away. So after a lot of like shooting. Jubilee says, "How come I gotta?" 
And then she realizes that Gambit wants to be the one to save Lila Shanae, I guess. And then thinks to herself, men are such pigs. Not entirely sure that that is deserved. I'm not sure what's happening that makes Gambit a pig in this scenario, but... Well, I don't know. So if you look at sort of the layout of the panel previous to that, you see Gambit in the background, Jubilee in the fo- mid-ground, and then Lila Cheney in the foreground. So Jubilee is the closest person in proximity to free Lila Cheney, but Gambit says, no, let me do that. And I guess Jubilee is like, oh, he just wants to rescue the damsel in distress. I don't know. So you, you think it was like he kind of brushes her like, oh, I, I got this one. Hold yeah. on, this is it. Now, on the other hand, one could argue that Gambit's got the ability to charge, you know, uh, inanimate objects. I think he just picks the locks. Oh, or he does that. Whereas, I don't know what Jubilee's going to do. Use some fireworks against it? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, Gambit's made for this sort of thing. Exactly. So it is weird, and I guess it's maybe just another, like, Chris Claremont's like, I don't know what's happening here, so let me throw some words in. (laughs) character building because it's unnecessary and and maybe that's also kind of what it is too of maybe she's a little jealous because she's been spending all this time with this hunky man and and now he's like brushed her aside to go help the damsel in distress i don't know but anyways either it was just a weird little moment uh the guards start shooting at gambit and gambit starts jumping aside and uh lila comments that it's incredible it's as though he's dancing around each incoming round this is impossible. How can they keep missing him? Trained hard, don't you know? <laughs> and Jubilee says, please, stop showing off. And, He's uh, just too gosh darn pretty to kill, don't you know? <laughs> so that's another repeat. So Gambit says, trained hard, don't you know? And then oh, Jubilee yeah. says, don't you know as well? It's like, uh, okay. Maybe maybe Chris Claremont's getting a little lazy here. Maybe. He sees the writing on the wall, and he's like, don't you know, don't you know? (laughs) I guess, I guess. Editors, Bob Harris is like, are you sure you want to go with this? You say it twice in a row. He's like, I don't don't care. Run with it. (laughs) I'm tired. I've been doing this for 20 years. This new Jim Jim Lee kid's taking over everything from me. I thought I meant something to this company. That's what's going on. In his head. Yeah. No, it's what he's saying to Bob Harris. Oh, directly to yeah. Bob Harris. Oh, this yeah. is a you're a fly on the wall for an actual conversation. This is a phone call. Yeah, yeah. That, you, that, you were that there. actually occurred. I don't have proof other than the fact that I, I overheard it. Just memory. Yeah, just my memory, which isn't flawed. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and isn't made up. It's all true. The podcast has not proven that your memory is flawed at all. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lila. Cheney teleports Deathbird away, and uh, Jubilee is not happy about it. And she does. Neither is neither is Lila Cheney. The X Men—they're beyond my te- uh, tele- telemat field. Uh, she gets another. That's cool. Telemat. Sure. I don't know what it means, but it's it's kind of a cool word. Teleportation mat. She, unlike uh, my recollection, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you read way more of the New Mutants than. I did is that she doesn't teleport place to place uh, more than like teleport like interplanetary teleportation. Yeah, she teleports. She generally when she teleports, it's usually very far away. Right. I don't know if she could teleport in a nightcrawler sort of fashion where it's in the same room. I wonder if her powers work that she'd have to like teleport to a different planet, then teleport back to the current planet, but in a different spot. I don't know. So can, we we don't I, have a lot of details on her. I can teleport, but it has to be in million mile increments. <laughs> uh, so she she's she's out. Um, uh, Jubilee does another. Man, I knew Deathbird couldn't be trusted. I mean, she stabbed Wolverine in a back. <laughs> Hush for once. Listen to someone else. Scatter as wide as powerful. Uh, Gambit tells well, Jubilee to use. Her powers in a way we've never seen, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has kind of the, the the fireworks that she usually casts. She kind of scatters as though they're like gigantic bubbles towards the enemy. And then Gambit fires his cards through them. And uh, this time it's hypercharged. An explosion. This time it's hypercharged rocks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and I don't know, is it that they're distracted by the big Jubilee power and they don't notice the rocks? Or does uh, Gambit explode Jubilee's bubbles with his rocks? 
Well, Gladiator's not even facing the same way, so hmm. he's got his back to the action for some reason. But I'm assuming it's the the combination of the two powers together. So it makes a big explosion, which basically all the X-Men in their various party locations uh, are able to see. Uh, Wolverine's out at a bar with a winged alien who he's like, hey, take me up there. And she's like, no problem. After this evening, Strongheart, it's the least I can do, which makes me wonder if, if Wolverine got lucky this evening. Or did Wolverine just have a good night because he got into a fight? I think Wolverine just had a good night because he got into a fight. And she was probably also part of the fight. Uh, I was looking at this woman's legs. It looks like she has blood on them. And it also looks like she has blood on her face. But that could just be like maybe she's got some sort of alien tattoos. Wasn't there a bar brawl in the last issue? Yeah. Yeah. Jubilee in the, or, uh, Wolverine in the same costume was having a bar brawl in this uh, in the last issue. Yeah. Storm sees it. Banshee sees it. Uh, and they all head uh, toward the commotion, starting with Lilandra and Psylocke. Um, Wolverine recognizes Jubilee's power signature. Yep, Wolverine makes it up there with uh, the winged lady, and uh, Wolverine starts doing some investigation in the background. Detective Wolverine is sniffing around. Yep. Lilandra also there happens to be, is very happy to see the professor, hugs him, Thanks to Gladiator who shielded my body. Oh, no, that's the professor. Thanks to Gladiator who shielded my body with his own. Sadly, though, many of these other loyal souls were not so fortunate. Their loss will be mourned, but I am overjoyed to see you save my love. This falls into a very common comics trope where, I think it's Gladiator says, The traitor has fled, carried away by Lila Cheney, but praise Kithri, the warlord is unharmed. Warlord being the professor. And nobody's like, hey... Lila Cheney's one of us. What's going on here? Well, they're they're you know they're putting together the pieces in their heads. There's a lot of not explanation in this issue, which is surprising given the number of dialogue. Yeah, There's they're... another really good opportunity for explanations to be happening later on. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I think I know which part you're talking about. Where like nobody's questioning anything and they're just letting it yeah. happen. But anyways, um, Psylocke is here, which as we as you may or may not remember from last issue, she was knocked unconscious. And dragged off by her hair by an unseen assailant. I don't remember that. I I only remembered that because I went back and looked. Oh, it's actually surprising, <gasps> or or maybe they wanted to keep the surprise. But it, to me, it's surprising that they didn't remind us. That's true. When we last saw Psylocke. But whatever, it's fine. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Uh, it actually kind of confused me. And now that you mention it, I guess if I was sort of reading this sort of back to back. Um, I would then connect all the dots. Um, but since I'm not, I'm like, ah, oh, Psylocke's here. Oh, gosh, Psylocke's bad. Spoilers. I probably wouldn't. I have a brain of Swiss cheese these days, and I'd probably <laughs> be like, oh, Psylocke's cool. Okay, cool. Um, so we have Wolverine snooping around, and Storm thinks to herself, why is Wolverine prowling? What does he expect? And uh, then goes on to question, only Lila and Deathbird were involved? And concerned about Gambit and Jubilee, they are missing. Gambit, Gladiator's like, don't question me, woman. He doesn't say that, but it's inferred. And Do you doubt my word? Agrees. I am side scanning for them both, Storm. Rest assured they will be fine. And that's when Wolverine discovers something. And Psylocke says, looking for something, Wolverine? Not anymore, Psylocke. I got what I need. Pops his claws, and I know what I'm going to do about it. And he lunges toward the professor and... Kills him. Slash. Slash. Arg. Everyone's shocked. Like, what have you done? My love, he's dead. You killed him. Storm, the has he gone nuts? Says either Forge or Corsair. I'm not really sure at this point. I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with that's Forge because I think he has some additional dialogue with Storm later on. But okay. it could also be Corsair. Uh, the rest of the Star Jammers are here and they're like, Traitor! Betrayal most foul. A gladiator kind of uh, winces like, this is wrong. This is wrong, he says, as though he's under some immense sort of telepathic control. Chode says, a true understatement, Praetor. No, Chad, not what I mean. And that's when Psylocke says to, I guess it's it's in a bubble, so I guess it's a It's a telepathic thing, telepathic right? Because you see the little... Yeah, you see the little, little lines on the thought bubble there. 
Calm yourself. Calm yourself, gladiator. <laughs> Calm yourself, gladiator. Quite understandable for you to be so shaken. But you must hold fast to your true loyalties. As must I, she says aloud. And, and then stabbed Wolverine in the back of her head with her psychic knife, the focused totality of her telepathic power. Yes, we <laughs> definitely get a reminder of what her psychic knife does. So just just going back a little bit, why, why isn't Wolverine's, like, obviously we get the shock of, like, Wolverine has just leapt into action and killed the professor. Uh, but why isn't Wolverine, like, this is wrong... The professor's not... Because we don't even... Like, even us as the audience, we don't know why any of this is happening for many more pages. Uh, and I'll spoil it. Like, he finds, basically, Jubilee's earring. And is like, oh, they were here. The professor's lying. Instead of being like, professor, this is Jubilee's earring. She was here. Why are you lying? He just kills him. Well, Which, he knows that this professor's a bad guy. I, somehow. D- does he... Uh, it all happens so fast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just assuming that that's why, like, I forgive the lack of discussion in this one because it, it happens so quickly that nobody really has the chance to do anything. And I'm assuming that Psylocke so, stops anybody from talking to Wolverine very quickly. Sure. Um, I, I think that what I'm, well, I guess what I'm getting at here is that in issues past, Wolverine would have used his senses and been like, that's not the professor. I can smell it. But in this case, he never does that. And in fact, I think there's an explanation as to why that happened at the end of the issue. So to Wolverine, this is the professor. Why wouldn't he just like like punch him in the face to knock him out? And then like, guys, something's wrong here. Rather than just like leaping to, I'm going to kill this man who's very important to me. I think that he knows it's not the professor. He has pieced that together. Hmm. Based on the fact that the professor is lying, because the real professor wouldn't lie to him. Unless the professor was under some sort of control, in which case you don't want to kill the professor. You want to have the professor alive to figure out like where the source of that control is coming from. It- I mean, the real reason for this is so that we can have this awesome panel where Wolverine kills the professor and everybody goes, what? I I get that, but it just doesn't make sense. No, if you if you if you step back and apply logic to it like like many movies if you step back and you don't get caught up in the moment and you apply logic to it they don't make they don't make much sense and then that's the sort of thing that's happening here is you're you're not supposed to you're not supposed to you're supposed to be in so invested that you don't think about what's no, going on no maybe i'm not invested then <laughs> maybe that's the problem maybe but that's what it is i just feel like this is a huge plot hole because if it's anything other than what it actually is, then Wolverine just murdered the professor and has no idea why the professor was lying about what was happening. And if I was the rest of the X-Men, I'd be like, you're out of control. You're an animal. We no longer want you to be a part of our family. <laughs> we know that the professor did something wrong. We don't know why. And now we'll never know why because you killed him. And so- the other thing that I would point out is that we've absolutely seen the Wolverine do this in the past, uh, and the outcome has been you know noble and good. But he's gone into his his fury state because he was like you know mortally wounded, and you know he he was at at primal primal senses. But here he's just like, this isn't right. I'm going to kill the professor. Well, he does have red eyes, so he does. I don't know. I, he just he goes into berserker rage mode. I'm I don't know. I don't know why. You're right. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't entirely make sense, but he was right. So. You know, <laughs> sure. It all works out at the end. The ends justify the means, right? <laughs> yeah, always. Um, I got to say that while we don't need the explanation of Psylocke's psychic knife every time she uses it, I, I do like the concept of the psychic knife. And I think I've said that before. Even your healing factor is no defense. Your nervous system is in total spasm and your mind locked into a fugue state. I don't like all of that dialogue is just not necessary. Like all we need to see is Psylocke ram her psychic knife through his head and just like him kind of the exact same drawings. Uh, and you're like, OK, yeah, Wolverine's messed up. <laughs> well, this is your first issue. You might, you might think Wolverine's dead because she just stabbed a knife through his face. Uh, I mean, she could just be like, I'm going to use my psychic knife. Or Lilandra could be like, Psylocke, what have you done? I use my psychic knife against Wolverine. I mean, you figure it out later when Wolverine's still alive. Right. Yeah, no, it's not necessary, but it is, it is, 
what it is. It is Chris Claremont's repeated dialogue that happens all the time. And frankly, I find it sometimes to be comforting. <laughs> sure. Sometimes when I'm alone at night and I, I feel scared, I think to myself, my psychic nice is the focused totality of my telepathic power and it. It lulls me off to sleep. I can finally sleep now. <laughs> my eyes, my deadly eyes. Yep. Yep. All of those things. So Lilandra summons the Star Jammers to go capture the rest of those X-Men. Something's wrong. Psylocke's okay, though, because Psylocke stopped Wolverine. But the rest of these X-Men, something's not right. And that's when Lila Cheney and Lilandra show up with some big, awesome guns. And they start shooting. They, they look pretty cool with their big, yeah. awesome guns. Uh, this This should have been the cover of the issue, in my opinion. I mean, the current cover we've got is great, but... Uh, two ladies with giant guns showing up to to solve the problem. It's great. We're back. Two bad, beautiful babes with really big guns. That second statement is unnecessary. It's yeah, I know, but it's it's got a lot of bees, so it's fun. We're back is great, and that's all you need. We don't need we're two beautiful babes. Nope, no woman refers to her. Not many women would refer to themselves <laughs> as two bad, beautiful babes with really big guns. Lila Cheney, Cheney would. She's she thinks of herself all the time as a bad, beautiful babe. And when she's got a really big gun, she's got to tell everybody, "I've got a really big gun." In case you can't see it, yeah, that's fair. And we know how to use them. She continues, "Pam, Pam, Pam, Pam." They destroy Pam. Yeah, <laughs> poor Pam. She was my favorite character on The Office, and they've just tried to, to kill her. I guess. Grab some floor X Men and hold on for dear life. We're about to make something of a mess. And then they teleport as many of the X-Men out as they can. Uh, Storm says, no, you're leaving Psylocke behind. And she's like, ah, she's beyond my reach. She's beyond my reach. That's convenient. And then is this uh, this the professor who says, do something, Star Jammers? I think it's the professor. Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Oh, no, the professor's dead. It can't be the professor. Oh, you're right. Um, Oh, it's that that dude that they're hanging out with, the... uh, the alien Shi'ar leader guy who's hanging out with Alandra, the purple guy, turns out to be a scroll later. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did they leave Forge behind? No, they brought Forge with them. That's Corsair. See? Oh, okay, you're right. So the guy that was in the background before was Corsair, not Forge. Because this I, is he's wearing the same outfit, I think. I don't know. They're, they look identical. Uh, this and, guy. Let's see here. Not that it really matters. So Forge has a long, flowy cloak with it's it's red and it has a big collar. So the person that we saw before was Forge because he's got that collar. Yeah, the, I think the collar. Uh, I think the collar though is miscolored. Corsair has it looks like a Hawaiian shirt here, but if you uh, see in a, another panel, it's just some sort of uh, kind of scarf that is draped around his body. And mostly he's just got like a skin tight, skin tight bodysuit. It's like a greenish color. Uh, you're right. They just look the same. They just look the same. Yeah. I can't tell who's who either now. And <laughs> now it, that I'm it, reviewing all these it panels. It initially confused me and I was like, oh, they left uh, Forge behind. And, and and nobody cared or said. They only cared <laughs> about Psylocke. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, okay, this is this is Corsair. Uh, so but they never mentioned my name, which makes it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I know happen to know who Corsair is, him being such an important member of the Star Jammers, jamming across the universe. Star so, Jammers. So disappointed in you. <laughs> so the leader dude here with the cybernetic head uh, puts uh, Lilandra in a well, – asks Psylocke to put Lilandra in a trance because the less the Majestrix is aware of what transpires here, the better. So – yeah, at this point, they're full-on evil, so I don't know why the Star Jammers are noticing this, but okay. Well, I think the Star Jammers, just like, so Gladiator earlier was like, this is wrong, and Chode's like, you're right, it is! And he's like, that's not like that, though. So I think all of these are under Psylocke's sway? Somebody's sway. Yeah, maybe. I think so. What if Xavier, says Psylocke, warrior's life, warrior's death, says Corsair. He's cool with it. You know, whatever. It's all good. I've just been traveling with this guy for the last couple of millennia. <laughs> like hundreds of years they've been traveling? <laughs> I don't know. What has it been, two years? <laughs> sure, in comics, I guess that's 200 years. 
Uh, and then this leader guy with the cybernetic head uh, disintegrates the professor. Yes. You will be remembered, comrade, and more to the point, avenged. So if there are any questions that the professor was coming back, it's, he's, he's not. He's little particles now. Which I like. I like this. It had a moment of finality about it that I was surprised about. I was like, oh, how are they going to get around this? Right. Because I did not remember what was going on. Me neither. <laughs> it was almost as if I was reading this issue for the first time. Like many <laughs> of these panels I remembered, but when I got to the end, I was like, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, same. Um, so they, uh, the Star Jammers are going to go after those escaped X-Men. The males are of no consequences. Per- dispose of them and the renegade as you will. Okay. Right. They want the women. They don't want the men. So Which, they want Storm, Lila Cheney, and Deathbird. Uh, and Jubilee? Oh, and Jubilee. Which gave me sort of like creepy well, they vibes. Don't know, no, not Jubilee because she's not there yet. Oh. they We don't know where Jubilee is at this point. This The the whole statement there of like, we don't need the males. I was like, oh, gross. What's going to happen? <laughs> and I still don't know why they wanted the women, but maybe we'll find out by the end of the issue. I don't think we do. Okay. Because I was certainly like, I don't know what's happening. But anyways, um... They're teleported to Epsilon Sikosha 9, uh, and Storm is not happy with Deathbird. So this planet, so if you recall a few issues ago, which was probably a few months ago for us, where there was that opening scene where a giant telepathic being kills all of the people in the Pinder. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's this planet, because I keep referring to the Pinder. Which is P exclamation mark. So, puh, Ender. <laughs> Somebody, like, the letter is like, ooh, this is awesome. It's an upside down I. And nobody was like, well, an upside down I is actually just an exclamation point. Uh, oh. I think it's a Chris Claremont thing. I think he loves, like, there's a character in the last issue who's, I think, has a exclamation point in their name, too. Mm. I think it's just a thing he likes. It doesn't make any sense. But whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all good. So, yeah, there was this big thing about how they were the most fearsome warrior warriors in the galaxy. And then the professor, who we don't at that time know, is the professor shows up uh, as a kind of psychic bad guy and kills them. And we were wondering, what does that does that ever come into any sort of play? And I guess it does. Hmm. So I'm glad that I remembered. (laughs) That's all I got. I'm glad you remembered, too. Uh, I like the fact that when they appear uh, on this planet, its the sound effect is poink. Poink. It's, it's a cool little sound effect. Uh, Forge has a little breakdown because of all of the death. And he's like, what's it all mean? What's it all about? And Storm's I get like, that this is like a part of Forge's character and that this is some character building, but this is not the time, Forge. Okay. Storm's like, Forge, I need you to use your powers to very fast make us guns and space vehicles. He's like, okay. (laughs) And within a matter of what looks like minutes, Lila Cheney's got like a jet pack and a big gun. And we'll see later that I think they've got like space motorcycles. And you're like, okay, look, I get that Forge can basically invent whatever, right? But I would have to imagine that he's limited by what resources are around him. So, I... well, what you don't realize, Jeremy, is that there were actually some space vehicles nearby. Sure. So he he you know credits himself with modifying them, but he didn't really have much to do at all. Does he actually ever say that? No. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing, right? So I buy that um, Forge could go into the woods and he could fashion a. Uh, a wooden shotgun, let's say, with some rocks as uh, ammo and find chemicals or compound some chemicals for the firing mechanism. And he would have, like, what was around him to invent the thing that he needs for the solution. What I don't buy is, like, I just manufactured all of this slick-looking metal stuff and space uh, craft um, out of dirt. Well, so two two things. One... We don't know if this planet – all we see of this planet is the destruction, but we don't know if there's like some sort of array of computers around. Uh, there, could, there, there totally could be. Uh, second, uh, we find out in a few panels that uh, Lily Cheney is going on scouting missions, getting gear for them. So it's possible that Forge said, I need this, this, and this. 
because she comes back. She's got more guns. She's got like a backpack full of stuff. Yeah. I guess um, all I'm saying is just a little bit of establishing uh, around that of like, you know, Storm's like, hey, you know, there's a there's a there's a exploded computer bunker over there that we could start with. Lila Cheney, I need you to hop from planet to planet and find all the technology you can get. Get it all into Forge's cave and let's see what we can come up with. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, we see Lila Cheney doing that, so that doesn't bother me. But yeah, I mean, sure, you could use, you could have a shot of the establishing that this planet isn't just complete desolation. And right. Because the establishing shots them. that we get are like it's just destroyed. Yeah, I mean, there are <laughs> there are structures. So yeah, I'm assuming some of these structures are buildings, but a forge does walk into what is a structure, or uh, so they have some sort of met metal. I'm not. Maybe made out of uh, mud or anything. Maybe Forge has uh, his ability is so well honed that when he needs a gun, he works himself backwards. Like if I need a gun, then I need metal. If I need metal, then I need ore. If I need ore, then I need a forge. In order to make a forge, I need more metal. And in order to do that, I need blah blah blah. And he works himself all the way back to the beginning uh, and is able to invent all of the things that he needs to make the gun. And somehow. He's able to do it in just like a matter of hours because he's that fast. We don't know how much time there is. I mean, there's enough time for the star jammers to figure out where they are. Of yeah, course, they have okay. a tracking device. Let's so. give it a week then. Yeah, let's, let's say it's a week. So, Having hunted to gather the prodigal returns, uh, Lila Cheney, uh, I dispatched her for equipment, says somebody that's Deathbird, but uh, let's assume that that's Forge. Sure. <laughs> uh, Deathbird goes on. A huge soliloquy here, but uh, it's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven word balloons that she strings together. Oh, yeah. I was still back on the page where Lila oh, pops in. Uh, I just want to comment that Banshee's, Banshee's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she, he is. He, he, you know, and this could be where, you know, Forge is like, Banshee. Go into that ruined city and see if you can find me a Fetzer valve. Aye, boy, I'm on it. But no, Banshee's just there. At no point during this conversation where Deathbird is uh, making a long soliloquy or anything does she say, hey, by the way, I saw Jubilee and Gambit nope. and the professor tried to kill them. Nope. All of the information that, that would be needed for this team to be like connect more dots is to like what is actually happening here. And, and but, as we've established, right, uh, they're inventing and, and teleporting for a week. So there's plenty of time for this information assuming, to be relayed. You know, maybe off panel at some point. But uh, she says basically that the bad guy here is actually Professor X and that even though I am still a bad guy and likely will be your enemy after this, we have an even greater bad guy right now. And I am asking you asking for your help because I am a Shi'ar at my heart. And I will always do what is best, in my opinion, for the Shi'ar people. And Banshee says, do you believe her, Storm? And that's when Storm reveals that uh, Wolverine knew that the Professor and Gladiator were lying. And that's why he stabbed uh, the Professor. Wolverine found Jubilee's earring. It fell from his hand after Psylocke struck him down. Then and there, Wolverine elected to follow his instincts, whatever the cost. He's no longer on the team, by the way. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So that's that's where we learn all of that stuff. Right. And if you're skimming the issue, this is an easy thing to miss because it's a very small panel with a lot of words on it in between like important stuff. Lila Cheney's got a cool like coat on now. She doesn't have it in the previous panel. Well, she was teleporting around and she's like, I'm cold. I'm going to put this I'm coat gonna on. I'm going to put on my cool coat. She stole it from one of her uh, scavenging runs. Maybe. The Starjammer initiates contact with the X-Men. They're like, oh, we, we found the biotag inserted into Deathbird's blood. Well, they don't contact the X-Men. They have, they have contacted. They know where they are. Oh. They're not contacting them. This is, a, this is a surprise attack. Oh, I get it. That's, maybe I misspoke. But they make contact. They, they make contact with the planet. He says contact, Corsair. <laughs> we got him because of the they blood tag in Deathstrike. Deathbird's got Death a bird. blood. Uh, she's got a blood tag. Yeah, a blood. They call it a bio, bio tag inserted in her blood. 
I'm going to go with blood tag. I like blood tag. <laughs> Every cell in her blood is tagged so that at any point they can track her throughout the universe. They are unable to shoot them from space, so they have to go down and get them? Well, uh, presumably, Forge invented an inhibitor field. Yeah, an inhibitor field prevents our establishing a more precise fix. Interesting. So you always crack the planet itself. That should do the trick nicely. And then uh, he says, Corsair says, nothing of value here, no weapons, and certainly none left alive to join them as allies. We made sure of that. So, like, the mm-hmm. slaughter of this planet we we had been made to know was the professor mm-hmm. in some sort of evil rage. But so the star jammers apparently also had something to do with it, which kind of makes them murderers. Mm-hmm. I hope they're going to have some penance for this. Who is playing cards and watching them in the previous panel? I mean, the obvious implication is that cards is Gambit, but I don't know. Because does Gambit even show up here? I don't think so. I was really confused of like, is somebody watching them on a Vizzy screen and playing cards? Or is somebody on an upper deck of the Starjammer looking down and playing cards? It's a weird thing to have in the background. Yes, I agree. Um, I think it's just the back of the ship. The back of the ship? Like, oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. Behind where they are. Sure. I, 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 it could be either, right? Um, but then I was like, okay, well, you know, is it – spoilers, is it the scroll? But, like, why would the scroll have human cards? Because it's sort of, like, portrayed in that, that sort of – like somebody else is pulling the strings behind the scene and they're moving the cards around and all of the pieces are coming together for the game that they're playing. Yeah, I think it's just a hand. You know there, what? Was, there was space and Jim Lee decided to draw a hand with no, cards. No, you know what I think it is? Or it's Gambit mm-hmm. and he's on the ship and we'll find out next issue. That's what it is. It's got to be. So this is like some, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some pre, pre, oh my God. This is a setup. Yeah, okay. that's not the word I was looking for. That's fine. But it, yeah, it's weird. I wasn't going to come up with it either because it's still. It looks like Doctor Claw <laughs> on his <laughs> video screen, but for some reason, instead of petting his cat, he's playing solitaire. Gambit does not show up again in this issue. So if it is Gambit, we'll find out later. And and I hope I didn't alienate our audience with my Doctor Claw reference. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Gadget. <laughs> Do you ever see Doctor Claw's face? I feel like not in the cartoon. I feel like I feel like there was one cartoon, or there maybe this is just a rumor that there was one cartoon where they actually do fate show it. You're gonna have to do some research. But in, I'm gonna do that now. In the Doctor Cl- or Doctor Claw, oh, the Doctor Claw movie. Why hasn't that been a thing? In the Inspector Gadget movie, which I never saw and I heard was awful, uh, he's just all over the place, right? They don't they don't even bother to try to do the the screen and the hand and the cat thing. It's just, he's there. Yeah. I never saw that movie either. And it looks like a kid's movie. Yeah. So I'm not a kid anymore. Even though I read X-Men comics, love star Wars, do all the six the kids do. I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not a kid. I'm an adult with nostalgia problems. So there is a, I just Googled it. Dr. Claw face. And it's, I don't know if it's from the series that we watched or from a redone series, uh, but it's like an evil man with a goatee. Oh, that's right. They did, they did like a new CGI. Uh, this this is a cartoon. Uh, okay. But yeah, they they definitely did a CGI version of it. So I don't know. In fact, there's even, there's even an action figure. It, well, this is actually kind of a cool thing if it's actually real, and I'm assuming it must be. Uh, reveal the mysterious Dr. Claw. And so it's got the cat. It's an action figure, right? So it's got the cat. It's got the claw. It's got his glove. He's got a bomb. And then there's a sticker over the face of the character that says reveal the mysterious doctor. So the only way to see his face is to buy this action figure, pull off the packaging, and then you would see Dr. Claw's face. Or to just, you know, scour the internet. Well, I mean, this I'm assuming was released uh, prior to the internet existing in the form that we know it. The internet's been around for a while. You think this is a this is a toy from the, let's say, early 80s? Uh, or, you know, mid to late 80s. Okay. 
I mean, the internet as we know it wasn't wasn't viable for the things that we do on it until around 1994. So, okay, you know, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I guess you you are correct. There there must have been an episode somewhere. I I just heard about. it. I've never seen it. I just it's, it was always a rumor. And I don't know if it was one of those like things that you learned as a kid that, that other kids tell you that's complete BS. There's a there's a uh, a fan sculpture. Uh, that I don't know if it's based on anything of uh, Inspector Gadget lore, but the back of the sculpture is the chair with Dr. Claw's hands in a menacing pose. You see the Mad logo with a cat, and then you turn it around, and it's actually Chief Quimby sitting in the seat with a mechanical arms, inferring <laughs> that Chief Quimby was Dr. Claw all along. I was thinking... It's uh, pretty cool. I like that idea. In New Mutants lore, it could be Inspector Gadget himself, but it's like a clone of Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Is Doctor Claw? Sure, sure. Well, I'm I'm really glad we we took this uh, this segue to to figure out you know if Doctor Claw's face was actually re- revealed and and if so, you know what does that face look like? Um, I'm not disappointed. Okay. So, so moving on. So that would mean that Quimby is not a bumbling idiot that always falls prey to Inspector Gadget's nonsense. Uh, I, this He's is just a, playing that part. This is in this fan creation right, of this right, right, of this right. thing. But yeah. Yeah, I, I and maybe it's because he's like maybe maybe you know from a lore perspective like they were partners and whatever, and then Chief Quimby got his promotion. Then he finally realized like what an idiot Inspector Gadget was because Inspector Gadget kept blowing up up with the you know with the suitcase. That's and, the greatest thing about the Inspector Gadget universe is that nobody ever realizes how terrible he is, except for Penny and Brain. Yeah, yeah, but they still love him. Yeah, I liked Inspector Gadget. I did too. Yeah. Well, anyways. Uh, somebody's going to email us and be like, everything you just said is actually not canon and is all just made up stuff on the internet. That could and be. And that's okay. And, you know, that's fine. Because, <laughs> honestly, is there is there canon to Inspector Gadget? I don't, oh, I don't my know gosh. So. The, the Inspector Gadget verse? Yeah, I, I feel like those are all one and done. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, the uh, Lila Cheney and Forge are in little space scooters. Uh, which which is kind of neat. Um, it's just one space scooter, which oh. I did not realize. I thought they were each in their own things, but what happens later makes made me realize that oh, it's just one. It's it's like a cloud car from Bespin. Yeah. Um, with with lots of guns. Storm has a little space suit that she can fly around in. So does Banshee. And then Duckbird I guess has new wings and a new cosmic cosmonaut mask. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, are those? Did she regrow wings, or <laughs> did Forge invent her some wings? I, I think Forge invented those wings. Those are too cool to not be Forge creations. Yeah. So the plan is, uh, Forge and Lila are going to create some sort of distraction. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess Deathbird as well. And Storm and Banshee are going to go get the Star Jammer. But at the last second, uh, Deathbird freaks out and is like, we got to go somewhere right now. And she grabs Lila Cheney and says, I need you. Danger, imperative, need, cannot be denied. At once, Lila, these coordinates, teleport. And they vanish. And Forge is like, ah, crap. (laughs) (laughs) No prob. No prob. I designed this silly sky sled. I should be able to fly it. Oh, I guess... uh... Lila Cheney was the pilot, and yeah. I guess uh, Forge was the gunner. But what about Storm and Banshee? They're diversions for my benefit. How the blazes do I attack? Oh, so he's going to attack the Starjammer. I got that mixed up. Mm. And Storm and Banshee are the diversion. The Starjammer locks on. I think it's the Starjammer. Locks on to Storm and Banshee. Getting ready yep. to fire. Meanwhile, back in Shi'ar, uh, or wherever, the homeworld... Gladiator has Wolverine over his shoulder. Psylocke's basically got everybody under some mental control, including Lelandra and, I don't like this, a naked Jubilee. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know why yeah. everybody needs yeah. to be naked here, yeah. but. They are. Um, every, you know, it's, it's there's a there's a weird web in the background and everybody's strung up and it is naked for some reason. They, I guess yeah. that's. That's how they even do their clone farm. Yeah. So they, um, they throw all, and there's a bunch of people that are all strung up in there. It looks like, is that Gambit in the background? 
I don't know because we don't see Gambit and I don't I don't think it's Gambit. And it also looks like Raza is there. So I'm wondering if the yeah, the so the the Star Jammers who blew up Pinder or the Pinder Pindarians were probably Skrull clones. It's certainly possible. So um, they're all absol- absolved of any wrongdoing because they were all just clones all along. I'm getting ahead if, of myself. If but. that is true, then that is a great explanation yeah. for the slaughter of an entire planet. Open your eyes, little Jubilee. What's going on here? Psylocke, you got to help. And then she sees Wolverine being, a t- naked Wolverine being attached to some mandibles. And There's pulled a big into the web. noise that makes it seem more ominous than it actually is, but he just gets strung up to a spider web, basically. I don't know. The the schlup noise makes it sound like it's a wet endeavor, and I don't like that either. <laughs> well, he, then when Jubilee, when it happens to Jubilee, it's schluppy. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. They and, add a Y to it. And, uh, yeah, she, the, yeah, yeah, I don't like it. But anyways, uh, Psylocke is like, uh, or uh, Julie's like, oh, I knew it. You're evil, just like I thought. And so she gets pulled into the the cloning web, um, I guess. Yeah. And, I, and the reason that this is kind of gross to me is because earlier they're like, we only want the women. We don't care about the males. I'm like, is this like some weird breeding thing? I don't like it. But they have but a lot isn't. of males in here. I think it. I think it's just about. I think it's just about. Well, in that case, it was because they want people that are of some sort of certain power set. And they don't care they, about Banshee or Forge. Like, yeah, nuke yeah, them Banshee guys. Forge don't have powers that they're into. Where the whole reason, like, they're talking about whether or not it's wise to add Jubilee to the uh, to the web, and the 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 guy, the evil scroll, turns says. Her powers are still evolving within our matrix. Who can say what potential they might achieve? Our more pressing concern, however, is the lender. So they kind of blow aside that they, if they didn't do this to Jubilee, they would have to kill her, mm-hmm. which seems like a contrivance for the story. But I'm fine with it because mm-hmm. I don't want them to kill Jubilee. Well, right. Did we didn't see Jubilee get captured? Nope. Or Gambit. So this, just is, this is all very odd. So it'll be interesting. I, I I feel like we're wrong about whoever was playing. Oh, unless it's oh man, I guess we're just gonna have to find out because I guess it could be clone Gambit, but that wouldn't really make much sense. He'd just be there. I don't think that's Gambit in, in the background, but he's got the Gambit hair. The other people can have Gambit hair. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> I suppose. I, I I don't know. So they uh, they release uh, Lilandra. They're getting ready to release Lilandra from from I guess the. Uh, hypnosis but that's where we learned that all of these people that have been around her this whole time have been a bunch of scrolls jubilee points out that psylocke is in the web mm-hmm. and uh the imperial guard uh, mind which or psylocke in the guide in the web do we yeah we do she's on the left uh, of Prof- professor x is in the middle with his arms up and on the left side is psylocke i don't know I mean, and on the I, right I, side is uh, Oracle. I agree and then that behind them is some a round-eyed blondie. I don't even know. I agree that that's who those people could be, but I would say that that person on the left, that's supposed to be Psylocke, looks less like Psylocke than the Gambit that's in the previous page. But that's just me. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> the only reason I I know even knew to zoom into this panel on Marvel Unlimited is because I didn't know what Jubilee was talking about, and I needed to like identify her word balloon with what was actually happening. Right. So I'm just guessing that. Okay. Yeah. That that kind of looks like Psylocke. So I'll take it. Sure. Sure. Um, the the purple skin Shi'ar alien has revealed himself to be a gigantic scroll. Now and he is—he's being referred to as Prime, and he's going to—I don't know why, because he's a scroll. He could just turn into the Professor X, unless he's not a scroll. But he sure looks like a scroll. But uh, they use the web to, which they call the cadre, um, to well, transform him physically into yeah the Professor. I was going to say that ultimately he does turn into the Professor. But I thought scrolls could just do that. I don't know. That's, that's maybe maybe this is more convincing. I don't know. I I would have I would imagine that the scrolls that have been seen on the pages of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four were able to just shape shift into whoever they needed to. I'm wondering if Jim Lee and Chris Claremont were like, we want to do something more complicated. 
or if we're going to learn that there's something about these particular scrolls that's different. Because it seems like this transformation is permanent. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, and maybe that's the whole setup for this machinery, is that he also has all the characteristics of the professor. He must smell like the professor. He's got uh, psychic abilities like the professor. Um, I don't know. Can a normal scroll impersonate other people's powers? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, the super scroll impersonates the Fantastic Four's powers, but he might be genetically manipulated to do that. I don't really know. Um, I know for a while the scrolls couldn't transform, but I think that's done with. So, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to just assume that this is a permanent thing that they're doing for a reason. We don't know what the reason is right now. We just know that bad guys are doing bad things. Yeah. So this scroll professor gets up and I guess somebody has done something to Lilandra to sort of revert her mind and make her forget about everything that's happened because she's like, oh, my God, you're back. Awesome. She kisses. He kisses her to imprint Lilandra with his uh, Professor Xness. Yeah, Professor X <laughs> slash Green Scroll pattern. In the meantime, process the others. Wolfie, he means us. We got to do something. Open a suggestion, girl, because right now I got none. And there we got a close up of Psylocke in the web. Oh, yeah. Yep. Confirming that she's definitely there. Yeah. And then we get a close up finally of the professor, the real professor, who says, Do not despair, Wolverine. This battle is far from over. These fiends may hold Charles Xavier prisoner. I like to refer to myself in the third person, but I am far from beaten. In case you didn't know who this was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Should have been like, But I, Professor Xavier, am far from beaten. Eh, it's all right. I don't I'm just now I'm super nitpicking, but that's Next, it. Revelations and reunions galore, not to mention the odd rousing rescue or three in tag. Who's it? Who's it? In which we learn was that was that the star jammers in the web? Are they not responsible for destroying an entire planet? I'm going with uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to going to agree with you on that one. Because it would make more sense. I predict we will also not get closure on who is playing cards in the upper decks or on a busy screen. I'm well, going out on a limb on that because it seems pretty see obvious. If Gambit show up at a specific spot, then... Right. But if we see him show up at a different spot, then that's not him. Yeah, so... But it could always be just he, t- he hitched a ride... And then he hitched a ride back. Right. right. It's comics after all. It's like, wow, I was on the ship. And then he was just there. Off panel, Lila Cheney teleported me back. And then I got captured. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. The next, the next issue cover does have Wolverine fighting Gambit. So Gambit is going to be in it. Well, the cover could be misleading. I mean, I'm assuming it's either a fake Wolverine or a fake Gambit. I'm going to go with fake Wolverine. But I don't remember. I really don't remember. I'm going to go with fake Wolverine, too, because we know Wolverine's captured. Yeah. But we don't know if Gambit's captured, even though you saw the hair. Yeah, I am. I'm with you. It's all in shadow, so. I'm willing to guess that that's Corsair's hair. Sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. This is a a back-to-basics, one-and-done episode. No no backups, no no additional stuff. Yeah, man, we like to keep it real sometimes. Just every every few years, just a (laughs) one-and-done. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Anything else, uh, Adam? No, no, no. That's 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 all we got. We like to keep these one and dones one and done. Yeah, I suppose. Um, well, visit us or contact us or all of those things at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter for all of our episode updates and cleverly cut out panels at Danger Room Go. Or email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com with any thoughts or feedback that you may have. Go out to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe and do all those other same things. Uh, and visit us at patreon.com forward slash dangerroom where we cover... Actually, we just finished up the initial dawn of x x-men title so i assume we'll pick up the next one or not i don't know but we also planet sized x-men next yeah so uh, if you're wondering what was happening with the x-men six to eight months ago 
uh, that's that's where you go to to check out that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we also like to discuss uh, pop culture stuff, uh, movies and TV shows, and just whatever else is going on in in the world. Video games. Yep. Yep. So uh, you can go check that out over there on the, on the Patreon, and you can give us a dollar if you want. Yeah. It's a dollar for at least 21 episodes. Yeah, well, it's a good deal if you... There's probably more than that. I don't even know. If you really do the math on it. But um, anyways, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And uh, and that's it, Adam. Uh, I got nothing else and sounded like you had nothing else. Cool. All right. Well, then until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room. My name's Adam. Did I miss something? You need to do that all over again. What did I? What did I do wrong? The Danger Room. The the Danger Room. The X Men Comic Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. Oh, okay. Jeez, you really phoned that in. I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah, I had a brain fart where I was like, I'm supposed to say something. What am I doing? I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> uh, take two.